Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Just a few weeks ago, my wife made a short trip to the grocery store, and on her way out, she stopped by the red box kiosk. You all know what those things are, right? Anyway, dropped in the credit card and rented uh, a movie and brought it home, and she and I watched it. The movie was entitled Forsaken, a Western, starring the father and son duo Donald and Kiefer Sutherland. It was a movie about the life of a wayward son who first lost his way as a soldier in the Civil War, and then after the war turned gunslinger. And all of this to the great disappointment of his father, a small parish pastor in a small western town. And as the movie progressed, the son made his way home. And you can guess what happened at the end of the movie. Father and son reconciled. So in many ways, the plot resembled that familiar parable, the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. So really, that parable, that movie, both were about homecoming. A son coming home to his father. I love movies that have a homecoming as part of the plot. So I liked Forsaken, and you may too, so check it out sometime. But I will tell you this, in my rating system, it does not come close, not even close, to what I think is the greatest homecoming movie of all time. A movie I saw some 50 years ago, A movie I still remember well to this day, and a movie I use as a canon against which I measure all other homecoming movies. I saw that movie back in the early 60s while staying through the weekend at my Aunt Caroline and Uncle Woody's home in Frederick, Maryland. We all went into the living room, and my brother and I sat down on the floor, and the movie began, and Uncle Woody had to get up and go and turn the big fine-tuning knob and adjust the antenna. But I didn't mind the distraction. I was enthralled by that movie. My eyes were glued to the screen, even when it was snowy. 
So let me give you a few clues as to the name of that old movie. It wasn't in black, it wasn't in technicolor, it was in black and white. It was based on a true story. The film was first released in 1941. It starred that very handsome Gary Cooper. And a year later, he won an Oscar for his role in that movie. And here's my last clue. In one scene, you see the main character seated on a Tennessee mountaintop. And along beside him is his old blue tick hound dog. And you see them at dusk in silhouette. Brings tears to my eyes right now. And I cried when I saw that scene. Anyone know the movie? Who got it? Sergeant York. Yes, indeed. If you have not seen that movie, check it out. It is a great story. And watching it as a young lad, I was spellbound at that depiction of the life of the World War I Medal of Honor winner from Paul Mall, Tennessee, Alvin C. York. And in that movie, it was obvious that York's journey from a mountaintop in Tennessee on to Europe in combat in France and then back home again to a small, fine bottomland farm in Tennessee was a difficult one. So the whole movie was about a homecoming, but a departure first. And then there was another kind of homecoming in the movie that was quite touching. It was his rediscovery of his childhood faith and a connection with God. Well, all in all, in my ratings book, Sergeant York is the best all-time homecoming movie. And it's well worth watching, even 75 years after its release. So tune in to the Turner, what's it called? Turner Classic Movie Channel. Check it out. I'm sure it will be on the air or on the cable this coming Memorial Day weekend. Homecomings. If you listened to the reading of today's three lessons, you might have missed the fact that they were all about homecomings because you heard that theme, that thread that spiraled through all three lessons and you just were thinking about and seeing shepherds and sheep, shepherds and sheep. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Revelation 7, the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then from the gospel of John, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. All three lessons, or with these three lessons, the bases are loaded. The shepherd's on third, sheep on second, sheep on first. Shepherd, sheep, shepherd, sheep. And that image, though, is so powerful that you may not have realized that, in essence, all these stories are about a kind of homecoming. 
So David lifts up his voice in praise of the Lord, his good shepherd, who will lead him to pleasant pastures and ultimately to the house of God himself. And then John of Patmos, the author of Revelation, declares that the faithful will be guided, guided by the Lamb into eternal life. And in the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus boldly proclaim that the sheep will hear his voice and follow him. And they too, we hear, are granted eternal life. Did you hear those three important verbs? Lead, guide, follow. The shepherd leads, the sheep follow. The shepherd obviously is taking the sheep someplace, from one place to another, to a better place. So really, all three lessons highlight this wonderful homecoming of ours. That time and place where we, we, when we will be with God himself. So David spoke of arriving at the temple of God, the house of the Lord. Revelation spoke of all of us as believers arriving at home in the very heavenly temple of God. And then we all know in the Gospel of John, Jesus promises us as the shepherd to take us to a place he has prepared. There's a journey in all of these lessons. Homecoming, homecoming, homecoming. Well, we certainly do not have time to talk about how homecoming is, is used and, and touched upon in all three lessons, so we're going to ignore Revelation. I'm a little tired of Revelation. I've been doing a class on Revelation since January, so we'll push that one aside. Um, Gospel of John, we did that not long ago in my Omega series, but I haven't done Psalm 23 ever in a Sunday school class. So. Sorry, folks, you're stuck with that familiar, wonderful hymn of David, Psalm 23, a hymn, a song that we have cherished through the centuries, and you may even have committed it to memory. It's so lovely. Well, let me tell you that when David composed Psalm 23, I am convinced he was not a young man filled with confidence and vim and vigor. This psalm was written when David was older, with hair gray like mine and a long gray beard. A man who has reached a certain level of wisdom and maturity that can only come with years. And so in this song, he looks back on his past. And if you know the story of David's life, you know that his life was not an easy one. As a young man like Alvin York, he went off to war, where on the battlefield he faced a terrible giant. And then other seasons followed, in which he passed through many dark valleys. Some of those seasons were touched by death, Seasons when David lost loved ones, friends, and family. And there were seasons so dark that David knew that there was no way he could move beyond them by his own strength or power, but only trust in the power of the good shepherd to take him 
to a new and better place. And let me also point out that this David had spent many years as a man on the run. A man with a price on his head. A man chased and pursued by foes and adversaries. But they never caught him. So all of these darker episodes, and you can read all about them in the book of Kings and First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles, all of these dark episodes are the backstory to Psalm 23. And if you know the backstory that David had a very difficult life, then you can appreciate the delightful twist and the wonderful irony that comes at the end of the psalm in its very last verse. Unfortunately, the irony in this little twist is lost in translation. I read for you this, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will come to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Here's the key phrase in that verse. Your goodness, your love will follow me. To follow someone or something is usually something we do at a leisurely pace. Like my old dog, when I took him fishing up in the Hamus Mountains, I'd walk upstream and he'd slowly and leisurely follow behind, pausing every now and then to lie down in the cool grass and in the shade. Following slowly and carefully is something an Albuquerque police officer did to me some years ago after I left a wedding and reception down in Old Town. He followed me ever so slowly on I-40 and up I-25, almost all the way home. For what reason? I have no idea. I kept looking back and hoping he would just turn on the lights and put me out of my misery. <laughs> but he just kept following so slowly. I won't tell you the rest of the story. You might use it against me. But anyway, David, though, uses a word here that in his native tongue has another meaning, another connotation, and another associated image. He uses a word that literally means to chase, to pursue, to run to ground. That's usually something done at speed, is it not? Do you remember being chased perhaps on a football field? Or caught between first and second base on a steal, being chased by the baseman? Do you remember being chased? That's something that goes rather quickly, right? Well, that's the verb he uses. So a better translation is, surely your goodness and your love will chase me all the days of my life. Just like the very enemies and foes of mine who have chased me through the seasons of my life. What a wonderful and delightful twist. And elsewhere in the Old Testament, this word is used to describe David's run from adversaries chasing. 
But here he uses it to give thanks. To give thanks for being caught, for being chased, not by enemies, but by God's own goodness, mercy, and love. And at the end of the psalm, we hear that David is so confident that that same mercy, love, and grace will carry him into the very house of God. What a delightful twist. David has run from and escaped his real flesh and blood enemies, but he's never been able to run and hide from God's wonderful mercy and love. Those things have always caught up with him as he makes his way home to God's house and temple. Well, to make sure you understand this kind of chasing and the speeds that are involved, I have a wonderful image. So Milo, if you will, Chasing. Racing is all about chasing. And there you see two cars. And I had to look long and hard for this image because I wanted car 88 in it because he's the son of a Lutheran. His pappy was a Lutheran from Western North Carolina, so I needed number 88 in the picture. And then my wife insisted that I find car number 11 because the driver of that vehicle graduated from the Blue Ribbon High School of Chesterfield County, Manchester High School on Hall Street Road, where she taught for 13 plus years. So there you go, there's kind of a family connection. (laughs) Well, those two cars are racing at about 200 miles an hour right there, and one is very close to the other. And guys, when we're out on the interstate and a woman is following us very closely, almost touching our rear bumper, what do we call that? Tailgating, right? Okay. Well, this is not tailgating. This is something different. Those two drivers know that at this speed, if those two cars can touch with their horsepower combined, and the car behind actually pushing the one in front, they can move to the front of the pack. In tandem, they are faster than they could ever be as two cars alone. So here at Talladega, when you see two two cars nose to tail, it's not about tailgating, it's about going very fast, literally one car chasing the other, Or no, pushing the other. And they both hope that they'll get to the finish line ahead of the pack and win the trophy and take home the money. In NASCAR, they call this the bump draft. It's only done at super speedways. It's not done on short tracks. There you'll wreck and you'll crash and you'll burn. But on the fast tracks, bump draft can win you a trophy. In Psalm 23, David is giving voice and giving praise to this holy and amazing bump draft that has moved him through every dark season of his life. 
and pushed him in to more pleasant pastures. So there you have it. NASCAR in the Old Testament. (laughs) All three lessons today and this season of Easter holds a wonderful and joyful promise. The lessons and the theme of this season is that there is no power, no force, no enemy, no adversary that can have the final word over my life or yours. Because there is another power, the very power that came down from heaven and touched our own Lord, who went through a very dark season there in Jerusalem, a season in which he died, a season in which his blood was shed, a season in which he descended into hell itself, but the mercies and kindness and love of his father drew close and pushed him out of the grave back to life. That's the story and meaning of this season. Thank God for the bump draft of grace and love and kindness. So brothers and sisters, if any of you feel like you are going through a dark season, that someone or something is chasing you to cause you harm, then I pray for you that you'll be touched, that God will draw close with his love and kindness for you draw close and touch you and push you forward into a better better place and back into happiness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.